Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I also would like to see additional education around this. Mm -hmm. Because I think that the more people learn about what's going on and better understand what regenerative farming is, Mm -hmm. because there are so many definitions and I'm not going to give you one because mine will be different than the next person. Mm -hmm. And I always like to ask the experts what their definition is, but you know, regenerative farming as it gives back to the earth and it gives back to the planet, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really important for us to continue to offer different ways for people to, to farm, for people to to do things in the world that are good for themselves and good for the planet. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can offer up new ideas and we can give people ways to do it that are easy and break it down for them, it makes it easier for them to participate. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Justine, welcome to She. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Jordan. Yes, happy to have you. I'm excited to talk about this uh, topic around the food system because this is something I have personally found incredibly fascinating over the last couple of years. And I would love to just share your expertise and what you know with this community. But before we do that, and just to get started, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do? So a little bit about my background. I have a podcast myself and I run a startup for people in Better For You Foods. It's a community for people building Better For You Food systems, Better For You Food businesses, as well as people that want to make more informed choices. So awesome. And how did you get started doing that? Well, we were living in Mexico City. Okay. I won't bore you with the whole story, <laughs> but but you know, not having a visa made it more challenging to get mm. involved with the community and have a job. And so I ended up meeting some people and getting involved and participating with a community that was part of an NGO okay. to provide resources for uh, this community. Basically, they grew their own vegetables so that they could okay. become self-sustaining as well, sell it to the community. Okay. And it really was the inspiration for what I now have as next-gen purpose. Okay. And while that was really about lower-income families, this is really more about a more global approach so that people can make more informed choices for themselves, whether they're building a business or just buying food for their family okay. you know, for the table. Yeah, awesome. So you said it's called next-gen purpose, correct? It is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, well, that's super helpful to know. And I want to know from your perspective, because obviously this is the area that you work in. What would you say are some of the biggest issues challenging our farming production and supply chains that go into producing most of the food that we find at grocery stores and all of that? Well, I think that there's a lot of challenges. And when you talk about farming, the farmers have their own set of challenges because 
what they produce, there's a lot of waste, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of waste there and that impacts what they can produce and what they can sell and the supply chain and the cost. So I think we touched on every single question you asked there stemming at the farmer, right? Probably, yeah. (laughs) So I think that there's a whole lot of challenges around that and then what they can offer and, you know, whether you're working locally or globally, it's, it's a challenge in so many different ways because the farmers have less resources. And then if you work with larger entities, you know, you have greater resources, but you don't know exactly what you're getting all the time, right? right? right. Because when we work directly with the farmers, we've got greater access to information. Right. So do you, when it comes to farmers specifically, since that's kind of like where everything starts, what do you feel like are the challenges that you see most commonly happening in the farming in the farming world? For the farming world, a lot of the challenges that I see and that I hear about are the lack of resources they have, the lack of understanding Mm -hmm. from the community because people don't understand what goes into it and what they're producing Mm -hmm. and the expectations Mm -hmm. that the consumer has around what they're getting. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And when there's high expectations but lack of resources to meet certain types of expectations, do you feel like that's where the gap is? I think there's a gap there, but I also think that sometimes Uh, Farmers are producing really great products and Mm. people don't understand what to look for. Mm. So I think there's a lack of education around what to ask Mm -hmm. and what people really need and want. Yeah. So I think that we're really getting, we're we're starting to get more informed. And that's really what my podcast is about, is Mm -hmm. about getting people on so that people can make more informed choices Mm -hmm. to investigate these kinds of questions. Yeah. Okay. That that leads to a question now that just popped into my brain as you said that, because the, the question naturally is, well, then what kind of things should we be asking? What kind of questions should we be asking? And what, you know, and I'm not necessarily saying give us the entire list because I'm sure there's plenty of different things, but maybe some examples of what are helpful questions to ask to become more informed and what types of things should we be looking for? Because I think there's a lot of confusing information out there as to what's healthy or what's good or what's that, this or that. And so what would be some examples of good questions to ask or things to be looking for when it comes to this? So I'm a firm believer that everybody has there's no one right answer. What mm-hmm. you know, What's right for one person may not be right for another, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think you've got to do what's right for you. And you have to decide, or people need to decide if what's most important to them is local or organic mm-hmm. or, you know, what's important to them. And mm-hmm. they do that by getting educated and informed. And most importantly, I'm not here to shame them and to tell them which direction to go, Mm -hmm. but to really get the information around what it means. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be organic and why do you want to get organic? Mm -hmm. So the best recommendation I can make is to say, question them. Mm -hmm. If you are asking for organic and you decide that's important, understand why you want to get organic. Mm -hmm. If you want regenerative, why do you want regenerative? Mm -hmm. Do you understand what regenerative means? So all these buzzwords that people are throwing out there, the best recommendation and advice I can give is to really make sure that when you're making those choices, that you understand what those words mean Mm -hmm. and that you decide what's most important to you because most of the time you can't have all of them and you have to decide what's going to be most meaningful to you as a human and the planet and the well-being of others. Yeah, you're right. There are a lot of these buzzwords that get thrown out and we think, oh, that's important. I need to make sure it's all of that. (laughs) And we don't even really understand what it means. Do you have a brief explanation of like 
here's essentially what organic means when you are looking for that. And here, like, I think those are two great examples. And I'd be curious if you can give us like your quick, this is essentially what that means and what you should be expecting as a result, if that's something that you think you might value. Cause I don't even know. I think a lot of times we think we value that without actually knowing what it is. Well, organic, you know, food that's produced is involved in production without any chemical fertilizers, pesticides, or any artificial agents, right? Mm -hmm. That's what organic is. And there are people that offer, you can get, you know, a formal, there are things that are formally recognized as organic. And when they write it and say that it is organic, it has to meet certain specifications. Mm -hmm. Uh, That means that a certain percentage of it is organic. Otherwise, it cannot be considered organic. So when you go to a farmer's market and, you know, there are organic farmer's markets, and there are certain things that are important to be organic and other things that aren't. Now, I'm not the expert on what to choose. Mm-hmm. And I think people have to choose for themselves mm-hmm. what's important to them. And, you know, I think the other question is whether you're choosing local or you're choosing organic. And mm-hmm. there's times when, you know, people have a different philosophy around that. You know, there's the impact of bringing things from Mexico so that you could have that citrus that you want, depending on where you live in the middle of the, of the you know, summer or mm-hmm. the, the winter, if you don't live in a climate that produces that, right? I live in California where we have a lot of amazing produce. But when I lived in New York, we had different access to produce, mm-hmm. right? right? And you would see a lot of different produce coming from Mexico and all these different places, right? Mm-hmm. In order to get that, you would have to buy organic. Even mm-hmm. here, we see pineapple from Mexico. Mm-hmm. So the question is, do you buy the pineapple from Mexico because it's organic or do you buy the inorganic local pineapple? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. That's a choice. And you shouldn't be shamed at your decision. Right. It's because values. if you're choosing, it's a value question. Mm-hmm. If you're choosing to buy locally, that's not a bad value system either. Mm-hmm. You're saving fossil fuel. You're saving all these other things, mm-hmm. right? right. By not bringing it here. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's really about making an informed choice. Yeah, super helpful. For yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And also really considering like, what do I value? And then why do I value it? Because I think sometimes, like you mentioned earlier, there's certain buzzwords and things that we think must be really important. So therefore, we should value it because other people seem to be valuing it. And we haven't really stopped to consider like, what's important to me? And why is that important to me when it comes to where I'm sourcing food? And, you know, I think sometimes we don't even necessarily think about this because, in so many ways, there's so many conveniences for, you know, grocery delivery and all that kind of stuff that it may not even cross some people's mind, like what they value when it comes to how they're sourcing food, but it matters both from a health perspective, from a where, you know, you're supporting your local community perspective, like all of that kind of stuff. And so really considering like, what do I value and where do I want to vote with my dollar and where do I want to make, you know, what, where do I want to make investments in certain areas and maybe not so much in other areas. And I think it is important to make informed decisions and to actually choose to be informed because food is fuel. Food is really life, you know? So choosing to make the effort to better understand what it is that you're sourcing and what you're choosing to eat and all of that, it, it's impactful not only to yourself and your family, but also your community and the, and the world around you as well. Would you, would you agree? I couldn't agree more. And I think it was, that really was the inspiration for my podcast because I used it as a, as a platform for people to amplify their stories so that others could listen and take mm-hmm. notice so that they could make more informed choices, whether they're innovating, building a business or buying food. Yeah. Either way, you need the information and these people can give, give, you know, access to that information so that they can make their own choices mm-hmm. based on their value system, just as you said. Yeah. Because yeah. it's really not to shame anybody. And so often we're shamed because we're just supposed to know the information and mm-hmm. people talk at us like this is all, this is everybody's vocabulary. And frankly, mm-hmm. it's not. 
It yeah. may not be part of everybody's vernacular right. or part of, you know, or we're not speaking the same language all the time. Right. It's new. We're throwing these new words in and expecting everybody to be at the same level. So it's important to level the playing field mm-hmm. so that everyone has access to the same information, the same words, so that we're all making this based on the same information. Mm-hmm. So I think it's super important. And I I think what you said is very true. And it's really about voting, you know, with your dollar Mm -hmm. and, and going back to what your beliefs are and your Mm -hmm. values. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of right choices, but you got to make the right choice for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's okay that if your choice is different than my choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I'd be curious, we talked a little bit about the challenges. And I'm curious from your perspective, since obviously, this is something you're much more familiar with, than probably a lot of other people what kind of changes would you like to see or what efforts have you seen other people making to improve the system? So I've seen a lot of different things being, you know, whether it's around food in school system or using, you know, ugly produce, so to speak, Mm -hmm. right? Ugly foods. Mm -hmm. I think those are great ideas and great things that needed to be changed Mm -hmm. because A, it goes back to the farmers, the ugly produce, you know, the the farmers really loses out on that. They can't mm-hmm. use that at all. And those produce are actually fine. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to continue to see innovative ways that people are are creating things around that, mm-hmm. around waste uh, and more waste, because I think that there's a lot. Well, I'm sure um, that also feeds the resource problem. Yes, mm-hmm. I definitely think it feeds the resource problem. Mm-hmm. I also would like to see additional education around this. Mm-hmm. Because I think that the more people learn about what's going on and better understand what regenerative farming is, Mm -hmm. because there are so many definitions and I'm not going to give you one because mine will be different than the next person. Mm -hmm. And I always like to ask the experts what their definition is. But, you know, regenerative farming as it gives back to the earth and it gives back to the planet, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really important for us to continue to offer different ways for people to, to farm, for people to to do things in the world that are good for themselves and good for the planet. Mm -hmm. And the more that we can offer up new ideas and we can give people ways to do it that are easy and break it down for them, it makes it easier for them to participate. Mm -hmm. But if we continue to shame them or we continue to just expect everyone to be at the same level, I think it's going to be really hard for everyone to get engaged and be on board. Have you ever wanted to live a little bit more of a natural and holistic lifestyle for the sake of your well-being and your family's well-being, as well as to be a little bit more self-sustaining, but just felt really confused on where to start, especially if you can't just like up and move to a farm tomorrow? Look, when I first started my holistic wellness journey, I remember I felt so overwhelmed. There's so much information all over the internet nowadays, and it's so hard to discern and to know which brands are truly clean and how do I source food locally and where do I even begin with all this stuff, especially if I have a busy life and I live maybe in an apartment or a suburban life or I just don't have like goats in my backyard to go milk, you know, like how how do I do this? And, um, It can be really overwhelming. So what I did is I wanted to take the guesswork out of it for you because I think one of the biggest things that holds so many of us back is not only the financial side of it and the worry that it's going to be more expensive, but also the time. Most of us don't have months or years to invest in researching and reading labels and figuring out how to do that and doing all this research on our own. So we just don't and we kind of get stuck. So what I wanted to do is create a quick start guide for you. And it's called the Lifestyle Overhaul Guide. It is a step-by-step quick start guide to living a more natural and sustainable life. And it is laid out in a step-by-step format. It covers everything from budgeting for these changes to really reducing stress and creating a more sustainable schedule and lifestyle in terms of your time to 
cleaning up the products in your home and reducing your toxin burden, how to really start with that and what to prioritize and how to do that in a budget-friendly way to sourcing more food locally, shortening your supply chain, being less reliant on the grocery store and big food systems, and starting to really use the resources in your local community. I'm giving you all the best resources on how to find those things, how to source those things, and how to get started right where you are. So if that sounds like something you need, you can tap the link in the show notes on this episode, or just go to jordanleedooley.com slash lifestyle dash overhaul to check out all the details and grab yourself a copy. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. I'm like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kids snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. 
Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. The other thing that I want to just say is that I think that the, the best way to see change is small steps. Mm-hmm. We don't have to, people don't need to do everything. You can pick one thing and start there mm-hmm. because it starts with small steps of change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. I think, yeah, the more we, I don't know if you felt this way, but I think the more you come to learn about something, whether that's problems or challenges with the food system or any other slew of issues in the world, uh, the more that you know, it's like you can't unsee it, right? And then you feel like this, I want to fix it or I want to do something. And then when you feel like, oh gosh, it's too big for me to fix, I'm just not going to do anything. It's like, no, there actually are things you can do. It may just not change it overnight. And I think we all need that reminder in every area of life that we'd like to see improvement. Sometimes just breaking it down to show that the small amount of help Mm -hmm. has an impact is really, you know, really impactful. Yeah, absolutely. Something else I wanted to ask about was how legislative policies affect our food system. I'm I'm just curious about this from your perspective. How do legislative policies affect our food system and how can they be improved? Well, I think that legislative policies, you know, a lot of them can work in our favor and some of them are making, are trying to make very good change, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I think that there's always room for more change and bigger change. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen change over the years, Mm -hmm. but I think that it's going to take time. And I think we've seen on a local level that sometimes you got to work on a little bit more of a grassroots level to implement change, to make a greater change. And when Mm -hmm. you do things on a larger level, it takes a lot more time. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we're seeing things with the UN mm-hmm. and we're seeing things with, at the state level with food safety and how they're enacting food legislation. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm, I'm hoping for good things. Right. Mm-hmm. And I see that those things are creating change around food and on cannabis and food safety. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a good thing. But I also think that, you know, we got to also think locally and think globally as we're doing these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild how when it comes to, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off there, but when it comes to legislative, I think so often kind of similar going back to what you were saying earlier, um, thinking that it has to be these like big, you know, national changes or state changes. But like you said, so much actual change does begin at the grassroots level. And I think that's what we have to be reminded of when we want to see change or we want to see improvement in certain things. It's like our involvement does matter because that is like one after another adds up. And the messages that we communicate with the way that we purchase, the way that we source, the things that we choose to do or not do, that does influence. Would you say that influences legislative policy even locally, which can then become bigger and bigger? Definitely. I mean, if you look at some of the the, the different states and, you know, there, the, there's been some uh, legislative law around raw milk and you know, things that are more popular, getting more popular, right? Mm-hmm. It's the states that are affecting those changes, right? The mm-hmm. people that are advocating for that. Mm-hmm. And and the, and the cottage food law, right? And, and how that's, that's that? been affected and changed. The cottage food law, mm-hmm. the cottage food law to include sales uh, is, ex- is expected to, ex- it's also expanded. So like in Arkansas, it's expanded, it's cottage food law, which has really grown, I don't want to get into it too far, okay. but the cottage food law really changed and expanded. And I think that it really affected even during COVID for people to allow to 
build restaurants and do things for themselves in, you know, there was one actually in San Francisco, I think, but the cottage food operation is where you can package and prepare certain non potentially hazardous foods in your private home kitchen. Okay, gotcha. And this changed things for people. And that's why I was saying during COVID, Mm -hmm. when people were not having, you know, the restaurants and people weren't eating in, in restaurants, you know, this really allowed people to change their business Mm -hmm. in a new way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. So interesting. Yeah. I never heard of that. That's really interesting, but really cool. Okay, so something you mentioned, you touched on regenerative regenerative practices, and I know you said you don't want to put like a one size fits all definition on it, but just for those who are like, I have never even heard that term, can you explain this concept just briefly to listeners who may be unaware of it and why it's something that people may value? So regenerative food farming is meant to not damage our ecosystem; it's meant to give back to the you know the system. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's meant to. I'm trying to be eloquent here. <laughs> it's okay. Perfection is not necessary. Don't worry. <laughs> Regenerative food production makes harvest more reliable and resilient for the long term. Okay. Does that help? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's meant to enhance the soils, mm-hmm. the ecosystems, and everything that we use. So mm-hmm. it goes back into it. So it keeps regenerating. Right. And would you say there's a big, there's a, a significant difference between that and like conventional farming? Yes, I would. Okay. And I think, you know, a good resource for this is the Rodale Institute. How do you spell Rodale? I just want to make sure that we... R-O-D-A-L Institute. Okay. You guys check that out. That will definitely be helpful for understanding kind of what that means. Because you're right, that has definitely become become a buzzword, (laughs) I think, in the wellness communities, in the like the homesteading communities. And that's, you know, definitely something we talk about sometimes here. And so I think it'd be really helpful to be able to kind of dig into that and better understand that. So thank you for sharing that resource. Yeah, the Rodale Institute is in Pennsylvania, and they're like a leader in organic agriculture research. Hmm, Okay. So I think it's worth checking out. Uh, We did a podcast with them as well. So check them out. And and I I think they're just, they are like the leaders in the research in organic farming and regenerative agriculture research. Awesome. Okay, so another question I have is, let's say someone says, I really want to eat more local, like that is something I value. Do you have any tips for implementing that, like for somebody who is interested in or values, you know, that, um, and they've decided that's a value of theirs, what tips do you have for eating more local foods or sourcing more, you know, from more local farms to support those local farms? Well, I would say I, I eat locally. I love to eat locally and I like to support my local farmer's market Mm -hmm. here in Marin. Mm -hmm. And so I think the farmer's market is a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. Because you get to access your local farmers, you get to meet the farmers, Mm -hmm. you get to find out where your, your food is from. You know, if you get meats or vegetables or anything, you can learn more about how they're harvesting everything. So it connects you with the farmer, it connects you with the farm, and it connects you with what you're buying. Mm -hmm. And then you're eating seasonally and locally. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I love the farmer's market. I feel like that's something my husband and I have really gotten into the last few years. And it's so true. It's really, I don't know if the word is empowering, but it's like eye-opening and and positive to get to meet those who are growing food in your local communities and, you know, just actually put a face to it and know where your food's coming from and learn about their farming practices and get to ask questions. And it just kind of like makes, I don't know, I don't know if it makes you feel more connected or I just can't put like my finger on what it is, but there's something really special about that. And so 
and, and the farmer's market really does make it pretty accessible for those who otherwise may not know. There's also a handful of like websites and resources where you can find, I think, I think one is called barntodoor.com. Have you heard of that? Yes. Okay. I do know barntodoor.com. Yeah. So like, yeah. that's one option, but there's a, like different resources like that where you can like find what are local farms, you know, within an X, you know, 50 mile radius of me or something that deliver that I can pick up from for produce or meat or milk or whatever. And so tools like that can also be really helpful. But I think the farmer's market is a great place to start if you're just getting started in sourcing locally. Okay, one other question that I wanted to ask you is, do you feel like in your, I guess, from your experience, I know you say like, I don't want to tell people what's right for them or what's not right for them. But do you think that there is a like, what would you say are the benefits of eating locally in in your opinion, since that's something you like to do? Well, I think it's healthy to eat seasonally. Mm -hmm. And if you're eating locally, by extension, you're probably eating seasonally. Mm -hmm. So I believe in eating seasonally, but that's my value, Mm -hmm. right? right? So I believe in that. And I think if you're eating locally, you're eating seasonally, which is a healthy thing to do. And so I would support that. I think Mm -hmm. that that's one of the things about eating locally that's good. I think Mm -hmm. that you're supporting your community Mm -hmm. and the people in it, which I think is really good. Mm -hmm. And you get to know and be part of your community as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy that. And like you said, you connect with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I go to the farmer's market and I see the same people mm-hmm. and we talk about uh, what we made with it. We share mm-hmm. recipes. And I think that that's really nice. Mm-hmm. You get to see the new things that are coming up. That, you know, So I really like that. I, I think it's healthy to eat seasonally and I like to know where my food is coming from. Mm-hmm. And I've actually tasted different fruits and vegetables and I know which farmer I like to buy my fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. with. So I feel like I'm empowered to choose mm-hmm where they're coming from. And I know what the difference is and what they're doing. I've learned, you know, is this grass finished? Is mm-hmm. this grass fed? If we're talking about meats, mm-hmm. is it corn fed? Is it corn, you know, mm-hmm. asking the questions and then I'm tasting the difference. Mm-hmm. And so that feels very empowering to me. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. And when you go to the grocery store, you, you don't really, mm-hmm. you don't get as much information. You don't get to connect with those farmers and really understand what went into it mm-hmm. and how long they had those animals and, what they were feeding them in the beginning and then the end. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're not really exchanging recipes and sharing them with what you ate the last week with mm-hmm. what you made there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like you're part of a community then. Yeah, I completely agree. I totally agree. And and you're also shortening your supply chain. You know, it's like instead of yeah. having to have seven steps from the time the food was grown to the time that you put it on your plate, there's two steps, you know? And so that's also yeah. a benefit in various different ways. Okay, this has been so fascinating. I love learning more about this stuff. And I think it's something important to be informed in as we try to make, you know, informed choices and be intentional about, you know, not only how we fuel our bodies, but also how we support our communities. So thank you for sharing some of this info. Thank you for sharing your experience and the things that you've learned. If anyone who's listening is like, okay, this is super interesting to me, I want to learn more. Where can they find you? Where can they learn more from you? Well, I have my website, nextgenpurpose.com. Uh, and I also have justinereichman.com and we do have a podcast where you could hear more from these experts. It's called essential ingredients. And we are every new, every Tuesday, we have a new episode that goes live. So I hope you'll tune in. Awesome. Well, Justine, thank you for being here. Thanks for everything you've shared. It's been really interesting and I just really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at 
Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.